That's okay. No, it's okay. I've been here before. <laughs> Good morning. I'm John Messer. Uh, and uh, I get to be here a second time, which I appreciate. Uh, beautiful drive up here. It's about two and a half hours drive up here in the morning, and uh, it was just beautiful today. So I love coming up here. Um, I would ask, I'm going to take a moment to give a little spiel here. Uh, for those of you who maybe don't know, the RCA is in a season of discernment, and there's a group called the Vision 2020 group that has been tasked with discerning uh, potential ways forward for us. And I just came back from Chicago on Friday from our first meeting, and so I would just ask you to pray for us. There is no way human beings can accomplish that task. It's just, it's impossible. But of course, the scriptures say that those things that are impossible with men are possible with God. So we really need to be able to discern God's voice, to be bold and courageous, to follow him faithfully. And so I would, I would love to have your prayers for us for the next two years. So that's what's going on in my life. How about you? This morning I'd like to talk to you about one of the most important things I have learned in uh, 35 years as a Christian. And uh, as a pastor, I will tell you that this is one of the most uh, virulent, I use that word advisedly, virulent barriers for people in their spiritual lives. You'll understand why I use a medical term in a moment. But what I'd like to do for us now, before we go to the scriptures, is pray. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning from a variety of backgrounds, from a variety of, of circumstances and contexts. And Lord, uh, we want to be able to hear from you. We want to be able to commune with you openly and freely, and we know that in Christ we are given that freedom. So, Lord, we take that freedom to cast off all the things that would distract, all the things that would interfere with us hearing and receiving what you have for us today. Lord, we thank you that in Christ we have freedom. Freedom from? Freedom for. And so we use our freedom to pursue you with all that we are. To listen with our whole heart. You know those things we struggle with. You know our secret sins. You know the demons that come in the night. You know those things that keep us worried and fearful, anxious. And so we give them all to you because nothing can separate us from your love. Glorify yourself in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. My daughter is, beside being the love of my life, my daughter is an epidemiologist. And what that means, among other things, is that she deals with bugs. You know, the little tiny microscopic bugs? She deals with those, bacteria, viruses. Um, and 
one of the things that I just love about now having an epidemiologist in the family is that now my daughter watches me if I'm using hand sanitizer, and she tells me that I've got to wipe my hands on something other than the kitchen towel because 42 other people have used it and said, and here's the other one. I was taking some antibiotics. I had, a, I had some sort of thing going on in my head. <laughs> yeah, I should be taking drugs every day, but I, got, I had something. <laughs> I was taking antibiotics for this, and uh, I got to like day seven of like a 10-day course, and I said, you know, I've had enough of this stuff. It gives me kind of an upset stomach. And she said, Dad, you cannot, you cannot stop now. You have got to take the whole thing. You've got to have the whole thing. I said, what is the deal? I'm feeling better. I'm looking better. I think it's working. I, I'll just save the rest for another time. Dad, you can't do that. You cannot do that. If you do that, you're making superbugs. You're making bugs that are drug resistant. You are contributing to all of these people who can't get any sort of antibiotic to work because we've created superbugs, and that's how you do it. You're going to be worse off in the, in the future than you are now. Little did she know. There's a spiritual principle there, and it's called the deadly half dose. You know, she's absolutely right. The scientists, the doctors tell us that if you don't finish the course, if you don't kill the bug completely, you just make it stronger, right? We know that. If you... Yeah, I won't get into all that. I, I have more epidemiologist stuff in my head than I ever wanted to know. I didn't want to know this. Don't tell me these things, but now I know, so I can't get rid of it. The deadly half dose. You know, there's a spiritual principle here. The principle is this. A half dose, in many cases, has the opposite effect of a full dose. We think that just taking a half dose is better than no dose. And the reality is, no, that's not true. See, because instead of curing the disease, it actually furthers it. It increases it. Instead of killing the bugs, it makes them stronger. It builds resistance to the cure. That's how we came up with superbugs in the first place. It builds resistance to the cure. And it creates false confidence within us that we're doing something positive and so we start believing that a half dose is better than nothing at all. And folks, there are a lot of people who believe that a half dose of Jesus is better than nothing. So my question is, have you or someone you know swallowed a half dose of Jesus and they think they're better off than they were, but in fact, that's more deadly? Let me tell you how that works. See, what happens when we get just enough of Jesus to make us feel comfortable? We're getting a spiritual inoculation. We can say the name Jesus. We can even pray in the name of Jesus. But if we don't have the whole dose of Jesus, if we have not taken all that he is into our lives, hearing his name mentioned, having people pray in his name, doesn't do anything but create a false sense of assurance within us. See, when we're taking half doses of Jesus, we think, well, I'm fine. I don't need a thing. I'm fine. I don't need a thing. And you know where that is in Scripture? It's in the Laodicean church, the church where Jesus said, you're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, and you don't even know it. 
I will tell you that there are a lot of people in our country, I'm sure none of you here, but there are a lot of people in our country who are running around with a half dose of Jesus thinking they're just fine. So we are going to look at John 14, 1 through 9. See what Jesus says. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in me. If you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me except no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing his work. The disciples have a misunderstanding, you see. As they often did, they have a misunderstanding. And I think I probably have had the same misunderstanding. See, they're taking it as a physical statement, and Jesus is speaking spiritually. They're focused on the short term. Jesus is focused on the long term. They're thinking triumphal, triumphal entry and victory and power and rule and reign, and Jesus is thinking of death and resurrection. They're thinking task-oriented. Jesus is relationship-oriented. They're thinking half dose. They're thinking half dose. Jesus is speaking full dose. You can't just have part of me. You've got to have all of me. We don't do that, do we? I mean, I don't know the way. I can't get there if I don't know the way. Right? I love maps. Lord, here's what you can do for me. You just give me a map that shows where we are now and where we're going, and I'll figure out how to get there. How about that? Just give me a map. No problem. And I, like Philip, think in those terms. You see, Philip wasn't thinking spiritually. He was thinking about physically, geographically. Just show me how to get there. Give me a map. I'll get there. I'll even help you get there. But that's not what Jesus is saying. When Jesus says, I am the way. He's talking about spiritual reality. He's saying, I am the way. I am the way. The way of truth, the way of life. The truth of the way, the truth of the life. The life giving way and the life of truth. Jesus doesn't just show us the way. That's half-dose thinking. Jesus, show me the way and I'll go there. No, he doesn't want that. 
What he wants instead is for you to be so totally wrapped up in him that you don't go anywhere that he isn't. He's not interested in just pointing and saying, okay, go that way. He's interested in having you be so close beside him that you are wherever he is. I am the way. And we struggle with that sometimes because, quite honestly, a lot of us don't like the reality that Jesus' way is not always easy, it's not always comfortable, and it doesn't always make sense. Amen? Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you lead me. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And that is the dumbest prayer I ever prayed from a worldly perspective. It's the best prayer I ever prayed, but it has not been easy. Matter of fact, there's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of struggle. But it's been the best. Jesus doesn't just want us to go wherever he points to. He wants us to be with him wherever he goes. He doesn't want to give us a map because it isn't about just getting to the destination. It's about the process of walking with him. It's personal, it's intimate, and it is exclusive. We don't like to talk about this, but Christianity is an exclusive faith. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You want to know God? You need to trust Jesus. Plain and simple. And there are a lot of people who really struggle with the idea that we cannot know God if we don't know Jesus, but that's what Jesus says. Wanting to know God apart from Jesus is a half-dose pursuit. I'll feel good because, oh yeah, I believe in God. Great. The demons believe in God. I'm not sure that's doing you any good. It's not enough to believe in God. You need the whole truth, way, and life. Jesus. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. That's Thomas Akempis. In other words, you can't just pick the way or the truth or the life. It's all of them together, interrelated, interdependent, at the same time, all the time. It's Jesus, you see. It's a relationship. I would like to teach you, if you haven't heard this before, or review for you, if you've heard of it before, one of the primary, biggest, half-dose teachings there is out there today. It's called Moralistic Therapeutic Deism. Anybody here heard of that? Okay, let me review it very quickly. Christian Smith, a Christian sociologist, and his name is Christian. <laughs> yeah, Christian sociologist Smith decided that um, he would do a study on the beliefs of teenagers. And so uh, about early 2000s, I believe, he did this study. And uh, studying you know, thousands and thousands of teenagers across the country, Christian, Jewish, uh, Muslim, uh, Mormons, he studied religion, okay? And what he came up with is that it was very interesting that all of these teenagers basically had the same beliefs. 
They believed that God exists but doesn't need to be particularly involved in my life except when I need him to fix something. They believe that God wants me to be good and nice. And they believe that the central goal of my life is to be happy and to feel good about myself. And they also believe that if I'm good, I'll go to heaven when I die. That's what they believed. Now, the truth of that is that that was what the Christian kids believed. It's also what the Jewish kid believed. The Mormon kids believed. The Muslim kids believed it was the de facto religion of teenagers in our country. Now, we won't get into how they learned that or who they learned that from. We'll skip that part because that's a little uncomfortable. But that, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, is the number one half dose in our country. There are many, many, many people who say they believe in God, but the only time they ever call to God is when they want Him to fix something. Now that has a name. That is called deism. That's not Christianity. That's deism. And there are a lot of people in our country who believe that God wants me to be good and nice. There's a name for that. That's called moralism. It doesn't save you. As a matter of fact, what it will do is convince you that you're okay and keep you from getting Jesus because he's the only one who can actually do anything like that in your life. And believing that the goal of my life is to be happy and to feel good about myself, oh, that has a name too. That's called humanism. That means that I need to be self-actualized. That means I need to achieve everything that I can be because I'm important and I need to feel good about myself because if I don't feel good about myself, how can you feel good about me? <sighs> Anybody here ever dealt with two-year-olds? They are great humanists. They don't know that, but they are. And if I'm good, I'll go to heaven when I die. You know what the word for that is? Well, the Pharisees believed that, you see. It's called legalism. If I'm just more good than I am bad, I'll go to heaven when I die. The problem is the Scriptures, Jesus, Paul, Peter, John, and every writer in the Scripture says that that is wrong. That is wrong. You see, because the only way the only way is through faith in Jesus Christ because He is the only one who is good. He is the only one who knows the way he, because He is the way. It's not like there's some path that you can find like the, the rainbow road or the gold path that if you just find it, you can follow it yourself? No, Jesus is the way. It's the relationship with Jesus. That's the way. There is no map. Moralistic, therapeutic deism is rampant in our country. And I'm going to be very bold. I'm going to tell you it's rampant in our churches. And all it does is kill people. It can't save 
anyone. Only Jesus can do that. So why do we buy the half-dose way? Why do we buy into these goofy, moralistic, therapeutic deism? Why, why do we believe in deism, humanism, moralism, legalism? Why? Well, there are lots of reasons. Number one reason is because we have control. That's the number one reason. But I'm going to give you four other reasons that come from the parable of the soils. Remember, farmer scattered seed, soil on four different kinds of soils. There's the dismissive soil. That means we have a hard heart. We're closed off to new things. We're resistant to truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. If you're resistant to truth, you're resistant to Jesus, right? Our worldview hinders us. Our belief about ultimate reality, our belief about the most important thing, prevents us from being able to accept the truth implanted. We hear it, we reject it, we dismiss it out of hand. Or the other way is discrepancy. There's the discrepancy issue. We don't incorporate, we don't internalize it. We kind of sort of hear it, we sit in church, the, the word is preached, or we're reading the Bible, but it just doesn't it just doesn't sink any deeper. It goes in one ear and out the other. We don't internalize it. It doesn't make any difference. We don't allow it to change us. Or maybe we're too distracted. Too much, too busy, too worried, too fill in the blank. In other words, we've lost track of the kingdom priorities. Just too whatever. We're distracted. We lose focus. Or, and here's a biggie, we're disconnected. Have you ever tried to grow fruit? I, well, we have. Uh, we used to be gardeners. We used to have lots of uh, raspberry bushes and asparagus, and I love raspberries. Now, I will tell you, I would take the branches that break off in the winter and I would stick those in the ground and they never bear raspberries. I would take those sticks that would break off from, from the vine and I would throw them on a pile of dirt and they just laid there. They never did anything. Come on. I look at lives that are disconnected from Jesus Christ and I don't see fruit. See, that's why Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We've all heard John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you want to bear fruit, you have to remain in me. It's true. It really is true. If you want to live in truth, that means you live in Jesus. If you want to live in a spirit of life, in the reality of life, that means you live in Jesus. If you want to live in the way that leads to life and truth and light and eternity with God, that means you live in Jesus. No other way. It's not about being good enough. It's not about being nice enough. Thank God. It's not about how much good you've done versus how much bad you've done, all of that goes away in Jesus Christ. All of it. 
You don't have to be good enough because you can't be good enough and thank God because none of us are good enough. Amen? The gospel is not about earning. The gospel isn't about moralism. The gospel isn't about being nice. The gospel isn't about being good. It's about trusting that Jesus Christ has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And in Him, and in Him alone, we find the way of life, the way of truth, the way of eternity. Amen? That is the gospel. That is what we celebrate in communion. Now, I'm not here to tell you where to categorize all these things. I'm not here to tell you what you have to do. God has to tell you what to do about this. I'm just here to tell you that you probably ought to think about where those half-dose beliefs are in your life. I'm here to tell you that a half-dose is much deadlier than the full-dose. And there's an awful lot of half-dose teaching going on out there. Do you have cable television? That's half-dose teaching. So I'm not here to tell you what to think about moralistic therapeutic deism. I've told you what I think. But here's what Jared Wilson says. The half-dose Jesus is much too safe. It's imperative we see that God is not interested in making our lives better. He'll have nothing to do with being a supplemental enhancement to support our personal goals and ambitions. He's not a sidekick, co-pilot, or self-help guru. And we should stay far away from a so-called Christianity that presents God as a way to improve our lives. Read moralistic therapeutic deism, half dose. God is life itself. Christ is life itself. We cannot live apart from God. Cannot. Period. The problem is we see people walking around who are disconnected and we think that because they have physical life that they have life. Jesus is talking about spiritual life. And we cannot have that apart from Christ. We cannot have eternity without Him. And so what we're getting to celebrate today is that reality that in Christ all the blessings of God have been received by His people. They didn't have to earn it. They didn't have to deserve it. They didn't have to be good enough because they couldn't. And that's what the law tells us. The law is given to show us that we're not good enough and never will be good enough. So we run to Christ. We run to Jesus for grace and love and mercy. And He gives generously. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the goodness in Jesus Christ that in Him and Him alone are the way, the truth, and the life. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
help us to turn from half-dose theories and philosophies and beliefs to completely trust and believe in Jesus Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen.